This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Hello, listeners. I hope you have enjoyed our our resurgence, our restart back into this new season in season three. Uh, If you haven't already, please go back and listen to the great two episodes that have already been released, uh, as well as any other episodes from the first two seasons. Today, we are hearing from Justin Grinnell. Justin owns a very successful gym, uh, similar to my own, in Michigan called State of Fitness. And that is actually how Justin and I met. We met because he graciously offered his time to let me come and look at his model and look at his training tactics and how he runs a staff and runs the building. And I learned a ton from Justin. And since then, I've learned that that he is just a, a brilliant health mind in general, and I knew it would be a great addition to this podcast. So today we're gonna hear a little bit of everything. You have a little bit from the entrepreneurial side. You'll hear how he started his business, what he valued as he started it, and what changes he has made, as well as what he would have done differently, which I, I think can be important for us, whether we own a business or not, whether it's in fitness or not, you know, just being able to look back and reflect on what we did and what we may have done differently and how we can move forward amongst what we may consider mistakes. And then we're also gonna talk a little bit of fitness and health. We're gonna talk about COVID and what it means to focus on your health along with the more government and the, and the professionals suggestions, but why it's important on its own, COVID or not, to focus on your major health and your major health markers. And then we'll talk about how COVID affected Justin as a business and how he made adjustments to keep his business going. And most importantly, keep his members and his clients working out healthy, working on their immune system and just in general achieving their goals. So as always, please let me know what you think. Pop on after you listen, rate and review the episode and reach out to Justin himself if you have any questions for him. Most importantly, listen and enjoy. All right, listeners, here we go. I am on with Justin, who, well, first of all, Justin, thank you for being on. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was fortunate to get introduced to you prior to opening my business. And you were, you were one, just very kind to bring me right up, you know, went to visit your gym and kind of show us the ropes of what you do with a very successful business. And I, I've always been grateful for that, which I'm not, ever, I'm not sure I ever told you that. So thank you for that as well. well my pleasure. I'd like to kick it off with, if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, personal business, your gym, and, and anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll try to get too long-winded, but, you know, like all of us, right, you know, or many trainers or aspiring gym owners and things of that nature, is you get into it. You know, I got in kind of, you know, through athletics, but really got into bodybuilding right out of high school and, you know, thought that was the greatest thing and, and kind of found my calling. I didn't really quite know what I was going to do with my life. And, you know, I started working at a GNC, and then I started training my brother for the major league draft. He was playing at Western Michigan, and 
was looking to go to the minors and all that. And he's like, wow, you're, you're pretty good at this stuff. And he enjoyed it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I know what I'm doing a little bit. I really didn't at the time, but you know, it, it, it inspired me. It gave me a purpose. And I think that, you know, finding your purpose is important. And I think I had that, that aha moment very luckily, very thankfully at 19. And I started training when I was 20. I was just, I just turned 20 and I was still in college. And so from there, I said, okay, if I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try to be the best in the area. And I, there's a big, huge health club called the Michigan Athletic Club here. It's monstrous. It's, you know, like 275,000 square feet, probably just a little bit smaller than like East Bank Club, right? Yep. In, in Chicago there. Did great there. Tons of people, 13,000 members there, affluent crowd. And five years later, I'm the senior trainer there and, and doing really well for myself, created boot camps and sports performance stuff. And they, these real estate people are like, hey, you got to open something up. You know, you're at your peak at 27, 28. You're going to, you have nowhere to go. And so, long story short, took a bunch of people from that place, opened up State of Fitness, had a business partner, did a lot of things wrong. And then how we met, met Thomas Plummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just really listened to whatever he had to say. We did everything he said, changed our business model. And right after that, you know, we just took off. There's a lot of heartache within that because we had to restructure some things with some employees and stuff. But, you know, from there, you know, we just really, you know, made sure we did everything the right way, really went out of our way for the customers, developed a model that really worked for this area, you know, doing the small group training, the large group training, and we did sports performance at the time. And so we've been in business since January 2010. In 2015, we opened up our corporate locations for a mutual firm or, a, or a annuities firm called Jackson National Life. So we have one here in Tennessee and one uh, here in Lansing. Closed right now, but the, when the workers are coming back in September, so we'll open those up. And, you know, again, how we met, you know, I was very fortunate to be working with, you know, Tom Plummer and Frank Nash and, and Colin McGarity. And we did a lot of advisory board stuff and did the NFBA stuff. And, you know, really through all that experience, it just really made me a much better business uh, owner and much better uh, just, I guess, you know, I think business owner, but I think gym owner, right? You know, understanding the gym business. And, you know, so now at this stage in my career, I feel really comfortable where I'm at. I feel very comfortable as a trainer, which, you know, believe it or not, I probably didn't really feel perfectly comfortable until about five years ago. And that's, I've been in it for 20 years. And then as a gym owner, feeling very confident in the decisions I make. And it took a long time. And so, I feel really good at the stage I'm at. I'm almost 40, but now there's some big changes coming. And and, uh, that's what I'm focusing on right now. What's the next step in the career? You know, what do I do next besides open more gyms or, and whatnot? And so that's what I'm working on and and trying to figure that out. But first and foremost, we've got to build a business back here, here in East Lansing. Every every gym in the world got decimated by the, uh, uh, by the pandemic and, you know, some recovered well, some didn't. And, you know, when I hear stories about folks that didn't recover, I, you know, I feel very generally bad because I know exactly what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And so that's where right now we're, we're thankful to have, you know, members that are, are very cognizant of everything through the whole uh, COVID, very supportive. My staff is very supportive. And so, you know, I really, all things considered, Michael, I couldn't ask to be in a, a better position all, you know, with everything that's happened over the past year and a half. Absolutely. You know, you had such a strong business going into, which of course is a testament to the work you've done. And before we get back into maybe directly how the pandemic affected you know, your business specifically, how, how old were you? You started trading at 20. How old are you when you open State of Fitness doors? Yeah. So it was January 2010. So I guess I was, I was 28. So I was 28 okay. years old. Yeah. And I had just gotten married six months before that. 
and had a business partner who was much older than me at the time. And, you know, for some reason, Mike, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I look back, I'm like, what was wrong with me? I, we got married six months later, opened a gym. And then like six months later after that, we had a kid. And, uh, that was, uh, that was quite a whirlwind. I, I hardly even remember it, but yeah, it's been, it, I was 28 years old. I'll be 40 this month. So here we are. Uh, you know, we are in similar boats. I was married for nine months and then we had, uh, my, but well, we went a little out of order with things. We had, we already had a child, but, uh, we had Carter, my second born July 1st, then opened in October. So yeah, yeah, not, and it wasn't the plan by any means. No. Yeah. That, that, those were days of no sleep and lots of caffeine, right? You know, cause kids in itself is, you know, while it's such a wonderful thing and a blessing, you know, it's amazing. I have, we have our head trainer going through it right now having, you know, two, she has two kids and I just see that whole process and, you know, wow, you know, but Hey, you know, everybody gets through it somehow. That's right. So I like to talk to, you know, from, from an entrepreneurial side, how you got state of fitness opened. What did that journey look like for you? You know, I, you know, I know for me, I, it, it came through training. I was fortunate enough that, you know, I, I guess I did a good enough job where I had the backing of clients who wanted to help me launch what I'm sitting in right now today. So I was very fortunate to have that. Otherwise I, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. What was the journey like for you? You know, the eight years from you start training to you get to open up the actual doors. How do you finally get state of fitness open? Yeah. You know, I, I say this a lot, Michael is I just feel like somehow I don't really necessarily credit myself for it. Somehow I just, I had so, such good timing with everything. You know, I, I came into a gym. That was my, my gym I grew up at in Lansing. And they had no trainer. I said, do you guys need a trainer? They said, yeah, we do actually. And I was 20. I, I, I knew nothing. I had a right. certification. Big deal, right? Right. And, you know, so boom, I got to train full time <clears throat> that young. So I got so much experience, so many reps. And then, you know, I got, to, I got hired by GM to open a corporate location right when I got out of college and trained at the same time. So I'm like, okay, cool. I get to see the corporate side of it. I help manage health food stores uh, during college too. So I'm like, wow, I get the nutrition side. And, you know, I just got to be exposed to all these different things. And then I volunteered for a, a physical therapist. So, and almost not even intentionally, Michael, I just kept hitting on all those spots that you and I would consider mm-hmm. you know, a well-rounded fitness professional, right? And so I, when I went to this big place called the Michigan Athletic Club, you know, I was one of like 20 some odd trainers. I was the youngest person. I just said, you know, what? I'm going to keep my eyes open, my ears open and my mouth shut and just kind of see what happens. Well, I just started to see the writing on the wall. And what happened was the trainers are very content with where they were at, all one-on-one training. That's all they did. And no one was willing to do anything else. And I started seeing some things online, in particular, Cosgroves and Boyle. I'm like, hmm, these guys are training people in small groups and large groups. Well, why can't I do that? Because it only makes sense. I can make more money per hour. If I get 20 people in a boot camp, charge them 50 bucks, you know, each time, that's more money than charge them 75 bucks an hour. Huh? Genius. So I said, all right, I'm going to do some uh, boot camp. You know, boot camps are really cool back then. Right. And then I said, huh, no one's training athletes. Why is no one training young athletes here? We have, you know, 13,000 affluent members with tons of kids. Huh? Well, why don't I start a, I call it speed, quickness, and agility. Boom. You, I put out the flyer, 20 kids sign up because no one's there. So again, right time, right place, you know, and I just, you know, the internet was starting to come about, right? 
I mean, it was already here, but it was starting to, you know, flourish in the fitness world a little bit. This is like 2006, 2007. And I'm like, why can't we do what these guys are doing? So I actually went to the head people of the club. And mind you, it's owned by a hospital. So when health clubs, in my opinion, owned by a hospital, it's just a different beast. It's just, they're not fitness people. They're not right. me and you, right? Yep. And so they didn't see it. I'm like, guys, we could do this. We could have multiple trainers. I was actually, I started my internship program, which we still have, State of Finnish University, because I needed help with eyeballs. I couldn't train 20 kids at once and give them good coaching. It just wasn't happening. And so or 20 adults, rather. And so they said, no, we don't want to do that. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I just kept doing my thing, you know, building a name for myself, writing for a local magazine. And then some of them actually, funny enough, I'll tell you the story here in a second, is two people that I know, big real estate moguls in town, great, great people um, that are really trying to build up Lansing. They said, you just need to get out of here. And so, you know, like you, support from clients. I had a, a very, you know, very skilled, very smart business partner who is a very, very skilled athletic trainer and, and strength coach. And she's like, I got to get out of here, too. And they took five other people with us. And we opened it up. I mean, we did a lot of things wrong, but we had a lot of support. We had a lot of people, like we wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't for us bringing 95% of our clientele from the other club. And we're only two miles down the road, maybe not even two miles, I think. And so the, the support was so helpful. When I look at what other gym owners are doing now, uh, where they don't have as much immediate income to start a business, uh, that's scary. We, we got away with borrowing a lot less money than most clubs need to when they start, especially for our size. Well, we have a big place of 11,000 square feet, which is too big. We're finding out it's too big. We're, we're ready to move. We have a year and a half on the lease. We might move before that. It's ready to shrink and downsize, which I think is a trend in the industry, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for trainers. I, don't, I think bigger is not better you know, because we're maintaining this club all the time. So I know I'm getting a little bit off off topic there. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the progression. That's kind of what happened is just, you know, I just kept seeing opportunity. And I was young. You know, I, I, I'm one thing that we talk about, you know, what is, you know, what of a, what's the word I'm looking for? John Brody talked about in his book is really good. My unique ability. What's my unique ability, Michael, I could work 20 hours a day. It's just what I could do yeah. if I see the goal ahead of me. And, and I'm no more talented or special than anybody else. I just don't mind putting in the work. And so that's just what I did. Cause I knew I wasn't the most talented or the smartest, but I'm like, you know, people just don't want to work. And it was real simple. All I had to do is sit at that health club all day and talk to everybody and not ask. I didn't ask one person at that club to train with me. I just talked to them and gave them advice and whatever. And then it comes back around. And all of a sudden, you know, you're doing, I'm not even fibbing you 60 sessions a week because, you know, people are just coming to you. And it was really just because I was, I was just present. In the big health clubs, Michael, what happens like at most of them is you train your client, you keep to your client, and then you go to the room. And then when you're done training your clients, you go home. If you're, and any trainers listen to this, if you're working at a big health club like an Equinox or a Lifetime or something like that, the best way to get clients is just keep talking to people and don't ask for shit. You know, don't ask right. for any training. Just give them advice. Be their friend. Talk to them. And that's how you're going to get busy. And you're going to have to put in some, some non-paid hours. It's just, a, unfortunately, the way that part of the business works. Unless you work at a club like ours where, you know, basically our trainers are on staff. And if they have 35 hours a week, they have 35 hours a week and they don't have to worry about it. Right. Right. Well, I, I and you didn't really go off track because it's very relevant. And I think you hit on some really key things to go back to. But to the biggest one and you... You know, if, if you're going to ask, you know, the entrepreneur 101 list of stuff to do, 
like you, you nailed it all. But the number one of it is build relationships. I think, and that's a trainer or not any, I think, I think just in life, that's such a good message. When you build good relationships, good things happen on all avenues, whether it's business, finance, personal happiness, joy, like this think good things happen when you meet good people. But I did the same thing you did where, you know, people, I, you know, I worked for a couple of big box gyms and at both of them, people, you know, management will come up and be like, Hey, would you like to lead like a sales training? And I'd say, I think I'm the wrong person to ask because I've never sold anybody. I've talked to a lot of people, but if you're going to ask me how to teach someone to go pull somebody off a treadmill, I've never done it. No, I've never, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to, yeah. you know, I, I just, what I did was I walked around, I helped people that looked like they needed help. I was nice to people and I walked away and eventually it kind of came back to me. And it's, it's, you know, it sounds like almost lazy advice. Like, oh, he didn't want to go sell. It wasn't that. I just really wanted to talk to people. And like you, my relationships naturally built to I was doing you know, very similar hours, you know, 220 sessions a month, 2,500 sessions a year, I think was, you know, somewhere around where, you know, where, where Equinox had us at, me and a couple other guys. But through the same thing, you, you built really good relationships. And that's, it sounds like really what got you to where you are. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, you know, I think that's the one thing, right? And getting to under, you know, uh, have people, you know, kind of have that likability with you, right? And then also establishing yourself as that professional, right. not to a point where what I really tried to be cognizant of is, is I tried to show humility early on that I just didn't know everything, right? I, I would try to be, and I do it way better now, but if I didn't know something, I'd tell them I didn't know something. You know, um, no, I don't know why your shoulder hurts. I, I don't know. Right. It could be this, that, and the other. Or, you know, I think that that also shines through for sales um, as far as training is, you know, I, I'm going to take care of you how I can take care of you. But if it's not in my scope, you know, we, I'm going to help you find somewhere else. You know, for example, too, I had a gentleman call me the other day. We don't have our sports performance academy every morning. We just, we just have too much adult training and, and it just pays more money basically because they stay right. longer, they pay longer. Even though we do train athletes, I train multiple athletes. At any rate, I had a, a guy call for his daughter, figure skater, very competitive, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you know, I can't afford private training. I'm already spending so much money on skate coach. I'm like, I totally understand. I was like, here's what we charge, but here's what I can do for you. I can send you to my friend who's across town. He trains all athletes. I mean, that guy's actually texted me twice saying thank you. And he couldn't believe that I would try to refer business away to fit his needs. I think that that's become something much better in our industry. But, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, you were trying to grab any client that you could. But I did that as well when I was younger. If I couldn't train that person, I would refer them to somewhere else. If I had a senior that was, you know, maybe I wasn't comfortable working with that 85-year-old at the time, I'd give him to another trainer there. If I had someone that had a bad neck and you know, I couldn't take care of that. I sent it to my old business partner. She's an athletic trainer. So I think people see that. They, and that'll come back around. They'll come back and see you. Maybe their sister or brother or, or aunt and uncle or whoever will come see you because they'll tell them, wow, what a great guy. He wasn't trying to sell me just because he wanted the money. He, he gave me the right advice to go to the right person so they could fix the problem. And uh, I think that also uh, is part of sales, right? You read these sales books like Grant Cardone or all these things. And they have great things like that in there, but I'm with you. We don't have a salesperson here. Me, myself currently, and one of my trainers, we do what's called our inductions, you know, the, the first time people. And then we, we teach our system of selling the 21 day trial, which we have at our service desk, but it's not sales. You know, we try to sell it for what, for a, what we have to offer and B, you know, we want to get them in the door. Everybody's selling them at that point. 
the customer service at the front desk, the trainers on the floor, the cleanliness mm-hmm. of the club, our Facebook group where we're getting interactive, all that stuff is sales. All that stuff is part of the whole process. Um, so, you know, when people ask me, do you have a salesperson you give bonuses to? Or, you know, do you do this and do that? We do none of that. None. We do absolutely none of that at all. None. That is, and same. Same. I, I have two of us that leave. We call them the Marfit here. It's a, it's a strategy session. But same thing. Come in. Here's what I think you need. And here's why our program could do it. If you want to stick around and try for a week, try it out. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be genuine. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you show, them, you show them that you're, I mean, obviously, I know it's more to it than what you're saying, right? right. You know, you're going to show them your expertise and you're going to be of course. empathetic and sympathetic right. and, and all that. And that's, that's what people want to see. You know, we have a guy, you know, this is a good example. I, well, I think it's a good example. We have a, a gentleman, Austin Pollan, great kid. He came here, did his internship from Iowa, came all the way here from Iowa. We hired him as a great trainer. And he just had this big aspiration to go out to LA and be a celebrity trainer. Long story short, he now lives with the lead singer of Maroon 5, Adam Levine, okay? Uh, um, trains his whole family, trains a ton of celebs, and we'll, we'll talk back and forth, and he gets interviewed by people in US Weekly and stuff, and he's like, man, I just don't want to come across as that celebrity trainer. You know, trying to sell myself and be like kind of that, you know, cheese ball trainer in Hollywood. And I said, Austin, you're not going to be because you're a down-to-earth, kind, genuine person, and that's why you're getting those celebrities to train with you because they just want a real, you know, genuine person for them to train. They're not looking for some, I want to get rich, get superstar with some training Adam Levine. It's, you know, they want to be with a regular, normal person that cares about them. Um, you know, so reason I say that story is I think that, you know, people can read through the BS, right? They, right. they can read through, if I'm trying to sell them this X package, this, you know, that's why we don't do any uh, challenges anymore. We do no more challenges. We do different channel not okay let me let me say we don't do weight loss challenges we do other stuff right but we don't we don't try to send out stuff saying we're going to get you burn fat build muscle you know get you crazy fit you're gonna look like you did in high school stuff right you know that's just not genuine it's just terrible so you know that's i think more people want to see that because the consumer is much more educated when it comes to fitness these days i couldn't agree more and i and if i'm going to add anything it's it's list people want to show that you're listening to them. So I think when, you know, when, when trainers try to shove their expertise down people's throat, that's the wrong approach. But if, if Justin has told me what he wants, and then I show that I'm an expert within what they're actually looking for, that's a whole, that goes way further in my book, but it all starts with listening. And, and I start, and I teach my staff every, we'll call it an assessment. Every assessment we do here starts with you turning over the conversation. This is not your conversation. We don't have a script for this conversation. You let them drive the boat and then you follow along and you add your value in as they drive it. But that, that's what has worked wonders for us here versus here's all the information you have to get. Maybe we'll get it, but I don't have to get it today. If I build their trust in the next one, two weeks, I'll get it eventually. Today, let them share what they want to share and this build trust and relationship off of that first. You're absolutely 100% right. And that's how we do that. You know, you're doing the same thing we are in that first time session, right? You know, we, we want to know as much from them as possible. And then we'll bleed out some of the, the things that we do, right? We're, we're going to play off, like you said, no script. The script is we're going to play off the script they give us. Right. Yes, we have some things in our head. We're going to explain, you know, what we do here and you know, how to sign up for training sessions and what's the difference between small group and large group. And, you know, all those small things that they have to know, those general questions. But, you know, there's something else we did, Michael, and then my staff kind of looked at me kind of funny, but then they got it right away. 
is if we have someone coming in for just weight loss, we will say, you know what, sir, ma'am, or whatever, you know, this might not be the place for you. Oh, well, why not? Well, we don't focus on fat loss here. That is going to be a byproduct of us helping you move well and move more often to get you strong and resilient, okay, to help you lead a better quality of life. We're also going to help you. We can help you with lifestyle nutrition choices. We have that as well here. We have a nutrition program. But if fat loss is your goal, sole goal, then, you know, you have a pretty high rate of failing. And we just want to make sure you understand that statistically shown. And most people respond to that real well. You know, they, they're like, wow, okay, yeah, you're right. And we're like, you know, it's going to be a byproduct of what you're doing. Yep, if you're, if you're leading a healthy lifestyle, doing what we recommend, you're going to lose weight. Okay, but if that's your goal, you know, that, this might not be the place for you. We want to create an environment where people are going to stay here for a while. If yes. you're looking for a 21-day, 30-day, you know, six-week blitz, we're not for you. We, we, we suggest you, you go somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. And yeah, I, probably about half of my listeners aren't fitness professionals. So I think that's really good advice to flip to them. You know, so you know, to my listeners that have heard me say this before about if you're going to work with a fitness pro, r- realize that you have to lead the conversation and you have to communicate because we can only help so much as, as towards what you are sharing to us. So when you come in, share, tell us. When things aren't working, tell us the day that you don't think they're working not six months later when you're aggravated, you know, lead, lead the communication. But what else, and I do, and in a, in a, obviously a more professional way, I, that is a message I give to every new member that walks in our doors of, this is the agreement you're making. You're leading us, we're helping you, please communicate with us so we can continue to help you. And I make sure that's very clear, leaving the very first day. The second they commit to that membership, they know that it is their job to communicate back to us so that we can help them more. Do you have a similar kind of process for that also? Yeah, absolutely. So when, when someone comes in, you know, we go through like a you know, whole assessment, a functional movement screen and this and that. And so we find out a bunch of stuff. But one thing we make clear is say, look, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, whatever they are, um, we say we really rely on a lot of feedback from you because we may see the movement and it may look good enough, but you may feel like crap doing it. If you don't say anything, then we can't change that. You know, we, we, we are professional coaches, but we're not perfect. We're human. And yes, we're going to give you proper load, put you in proper positions and give you proper movement, but it's not always going to be perfect. And so we really need for you to let us know, you know, what's going on before every session, our trainers are required to say, Hey, you know, how's everybody feeling? If there's anything going on that we need to know about, we got to know today. And they'll name a couple movements because we've got trap bar deadlifts today and we've got, you know, kettlebell swings or something that, that could potentially, you know, cause an issue. We got to know that today, guys. And so, and we kind of tell people over time, you have to tell us right now, you can pull us aside because maybe they don't want to share it in front of the group or whatever. And so, yeah, we have all those types of, you know, systems where we're going to make sure that that person feels very comfortable communicating with us. And eventually they feel very comfortable communicating it within the members. People get in here real fast and say, wow, this is a safe place. You know, we want to create a safe place for fitness because our demographic, Michael, is, you know, 45, 50 plusers. You know, that's our, right. the main demographic we train mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. I think our average age right now is 49 years old. Um, last time I checked, it's been a little bit. And so, you know, those folks are coming in beat up. They're coming in not fit. They're coming in nervous. 
They think everybody in the gym's in shape. You know, you know the good old thing. They say, I'm going to get in shape before I come see you yeah, type of thing. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, that system, that system is huge. And, you know, unfortunately, there's, there's gyms in town that we know of that don't have that. And, well, they end up coming to us, which we'll take care of them. But it's too, you know, believe it or not, I want everybody to have a great experience in fitness anywhere because we're going to be lumped all into one place right? From the consumer, from the uneducated consumer. And so I don't want to have any gym in town be bad because they might think all gyms are bad. They'll never join again. Right. So um, I think that's important at every gym. It's such the right attitude. You know, I, I had a post recently about just the negativity that builds up sometimes, especially on the social media side of things. Um, so I, I completely agree. If something works for people, it works, let it work. Be happy for them that it worked. You know, I, I've got two gyms in the immediate area. Same idea. I've got good relationships with both of the owners of both the gyms, and there's no reason for me not to. Absolutely not. Yeah, people are going to go where they want to go. That's where you right. kind of, I think we're probably both at a very similar, you know, part in our career. You know, I mean, admittingly, even probably up to five years ago, maybe mm-hmm. three years ago, who knows? I was like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, they went to that gym, shit, you know, oh, CrossFit, whatever, they suck. Or, you know, one of our former, mem- our former employees opened a gym, and we, we actually talk all the time. But in the beginning, you know, I was a little salty, you know, I was like, how dare he? Right. But I'm like, well, why, why do I care? Like that, that shows such a great thing about state of fitness that we have a trainer that was successful enough to go and open his own places. That's a, that's a good mark on us. Right. And that makes us look good. And, you know, so now when I hear people going there, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that's great. You know? And so right. it, it's actually very refreshing because it really reduces the anxiety, um, you know, so for any message out there, young trainers or gym owners, like, you know, people are going to go where they want to go. And if they have a good experience at your place, they're going to stay. And if they have a good experience somewhere else, then, you know, good for them because we got enough out of shape people. We need more in shape people. And so it's all good. Yep. Uh, well, and it goes hand in hand with your message from earlier about just, you know, when, when you say, I don't know, it actually builds trust, not destroys it. When you say, congratulations, it builds trust, not destroys it. You know, it's, it's the same I, for me that goes hand in hand. So, you know, it's very clear why you built a successful business. And then a couple of years happens, you know, and, and the pandemic hits, you yeah. know, may, I know you and I talked briefly right at the beginning, but, you know, maybe talk for people, one, your mindset when for us, it was March 17th, you know, I've got the date pretty ingrained in my head that we realized I, I got the right thing to do is, is to close up shop. What was the process like for you when you realized, you know, you had to, you had to leave your business to a certain extent? Yeah. Well, it was kind of like, you know, starting all over again from a mindset, you know, it's, it's positive. I'm talking right now in the beginning, I was pretty negative, quite honestly, because we are in a position where we just opened up our third location. Again, we have two corporate ones, a little bit different than the brick and mortar and we were rocking and we were rocking and rolling. I'm like, wow, it's the best year ever. And, you know, I'm training less and I'm just awesome. Life's great you know, traveling and stuff. And so that really pissed me off because, you know, you kind of work for so many years and it's there. You know, our governor was pretty hardcore, who I knew Mm -hmm. personally, um, you know, closing down. And, you know, so it was a mess in the beginning. You know, I just was like, what am I going to do? You know, what what is going to happen? And I was very nervous for my employees. I'm like, how am I going to pay them? We were very thankful that uh, we were able to pay all of our employees at all locations the whole time, 100% pay. It dinged our company quite a bit, but I felt that I owed it to them. Um, our members saw that. And, you know, when I sent an email out to all our members describing what we were going to do, stick together, all that, 
they banded with us. You know, so we had a decent amount of people still paying during, you know, our closure, which I'm forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. And so for the first couple of months, it was kind of a little bit of gritting my teeth and being pissed. But even during that time, we we nailed the virtual. We were were doing as much virtual as we could, private training, group training, all that type of thing. We started moving equipment around, started redoing our place a bit. How can we prepare for this? We just start preparing. We have an outdoor area. We prepared the heck out of that. And so once in our state, at least, they listed the mandate. I think it was in June. And we started doing 10, 12 small group, large group training sessions outside a day. And we had about 60-ish percent of our members, you know, coming to them. And that was fantastic. And, you know, so we, we really banded together. I said, look, guys, I need you whenever I need you to my team. Uh, but I'm going to take care of you. But when I say we're going to be doing 12 sessions outside in a 90-degree heat, I need you, okay? I'm going to sacrifice for you. You guys sacrifice for me, and everybody was on the same team. We come from the thought of, you know, in our business, what I take the mindset of is Simon Sinek, uh, if you ever heard of him before. Oh, yeah. And he, t- he tells the story of this, this exact story. The first day when we closed, I told my, told my team, I said, look, guys, you know, I'm not going to lay anybody off. We're not going to dock anybody's pay if we, can't, if we can help it, that type of thing. No one's going to bleed. You know, no one's going to die here, but we might all bleed a little together because there is this company where they're a big company. They start losing money and the CEO and the advisory board are like, oh, we need to cut, you know, X number of people. And the CEO is like, absolutely not. What we're going to do is everybody's going to lose a little bit so everybody can stay. So everybody's going to kind of band together. And that's kind of our our process here at State of Fitness is, you know, we're not going to let anybody die. We're going to band together, and if all of us lose a little bit, that's okay. We did it together. And so that was the mindset we took into the pandemic. And I think, you know, I'm kind of grateful to say, you know, between my wife and I and all of our employees, we made a lot of the right decisions. And we we didn't get in the political part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My stance the whole time was, guys, I don't know anything more than anybody, so I'm going to listen to the science, and I'm going to follow the rules of the governor. And I'm, that's all I can do. I can't. I'm not going to buck the system. Our, our gym next door, we were, we're right, like, I can point this way, and there's a Crunch Fitness right there, you know, a big, huge Crunch Fitness, right but right next to our wall. And they kept staying open, and because they, they own a bunch of crunches, it's a big, you know, yeah. conglomerate, right? And they got fined, and police are there, and, you know, all this type of thing. And, you know, I was really proud to say, you know, we didn't buck the system. You know, no one knew what the heck was going on. No one knew what to do. No one knew the real facts yet. We, it took a long time for everybody to figure the COVID thing out. So that's kind of kind of what we did during that process. I did a lot of Zoom private training. And now, Michael, uh, you know, before the pandemic, I was training just some close clients, you know, 10, 12 sessions a week. It was fun, you know, just fun training, staying in the mm-hmm. game a little bit. Right now, I'm doing 30 to 40 a week until we open our corporate stuff back up just because I want to keep driving the revenue I told my staff I'm going to be here every single day grinding it out. I need you guys. This is go time. I want to make sure we can build this place back up to where it was. And and we're on our way. So I think we've done a lot of the right things. And good for you because, you know, you're obviously leading from the front. And and it's a lot easier for a staff to to want to be participants in the success when they're following someone, not when they're being told from behind. And, you know, and that's always the impression I've had here. So I'm, I'm not surprised that that's what you're doing, but that's, just, I think it's just, it's just really cool. But you obviously had to add some things you didn't have. You talked about virtually you talked about, you know, I, and this is the point you made earlier about just looking for need and listening. How, what was virtual like for you, if at all, before the pandemic, 
What was it during? And is it going to be a future part of your plans? All right. Well, Michael, I hate <laughs> I know, it's a lot. <laughs> no, no, I, I just laugh because I don't really enjoy virtual training. You know, I, you know, when people are saying, you know, some people are interested, like, it's going to go virtual, and this is the new beginning, and this. I'm like, you know what? I'm out. Like, I, if the pandemic got, let's just say it went crazy, and we could, no one could see anybody, right? I'd be like, we're done. I'm done. I'm not going to train people through a screen. Some people. And we still, we still have some group Zooms a week, and right. you know, we still have some private training a week. We still, we, we still have this room I'm in right now is a virtual you know, center. We have some you know, foam rollers and some kettlebells and you know, stuff like that so we can demo and all that. And you know, it's going to be a part of our system to some degree, right? It's, something, it's another tool for people that want to train on vacation. Um, yep. you know, we have some people that are up north in Michigan. You know, we call it up north, right? People go up to their cottages and to the lake. And so we're doing some, I'm doing some Zooms and stuff like that. So are some other trainers. And so I think it's been great to bridge those type of gaps. And, and we weren't doing that before. We, we didn't really do any virtual stuff, you know. Um, and we, we're excited to, to at least have that access. We also use an app called Trainerize. Um, you know, I used to use the alloy one with Rick, but we just do the trainerize now. And I really like Rick's system because, you know, if they have someone goes on vacation, they've got a, a, a workout right there, and so do we. So if someone wants to go on the trainerize app, it's a templated workout, real general, fundamental workout. Right. You know, so we have those for access, but it's got a video link. And so if they don't know what a, you know, a Cossack squat is or a whatever, a goblet squat, whatever it is, they can look that up. You know, but I don't enjoy it. Um, Quite honestly, none of our trainers enjoy it. Um, I don't know how these online trainers do it. I, I really don't know. Maybe I'm just an old dog that's been training since 2001. I, I, I just that's I, I don't feel the communication. And quite honestly, how much people are charging? I, I don't know how they get so much money for virtual training. It's a much different beast when you're in. You have much more influential when you're in person. So I could go on and on, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I agree. You, you and I both come from, uh, called a genre where uh, we, we were, we were in there, you know, and I, you know, the whole in trenches thing is a kind of a, it's a, you know, the cliche overused term, but right. I, I enjoy the relationship of, of being in front of somebody. So virtual has never been for me. We did the same thing where we, you know, I was open in October, we closed in March. So I was, I was brand new with a minimal membership going into the pandemic. So, you know, I was terrified terrified that, you know, and I, and, and I did have to take investment money and I did have people I owed money to. And now here I am like, Oh my God, I'm now I'm going to fail everybody. So we did it too. And we, we launched virtual and I, you know, I was fortunate where I had one employee who also on the younger side, who just loved the idea. She came in, she had great ideas. She had ambition for it, said, it is yours. If you want That's it, awesome. if it's, if you want it, let me know how I can support you for it. But if this is where you want to spend your time, I'll, I'll support it financially and I'll support it, you know, on the back end. but it is yours to manage. So I was lucky there. Not that I wouldn't have taken it, but to be honest, I, I wouldn't have done the good job she did with it. Yeah. You know, I, I really yeah. wouldn't have, you know, so I, I was You're lucky. I was lucky. Yeah. You just basically did it because survival, right? You would be right. willing to do anything to survive. Right. Right. And so you'll put on the face that you do enjoy it. Right. But, and, that, and that's the way I was. And, and at the same time, I don't want to sound negative. I was very grateful for the clients that wanted to do it. Very, very grateful. Yes. You know, that they would want to, you know, try it out. Because it was due to them too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
and, and some people hated it. Like when we started our group, our group workouts, you know, we had like three or four a day uh, in the beginning and everybody was involved. Right. And then you see less and less people on the zoom, you know, as time goes on, because people just didn't dig it. Right. You know, so everybody's got their own cup of tea, but to go back to kind of the younger, younger generation, you know, we have an internship program, state of finish university. We've had over 400 people go through it in 10 years. And you're seeing a lot of the younger trainers. They are very interested in online training. Mm-hmm. Very interested. You know, they're very, they grew up with the, with social media, right? They're a little more savvy with it. They don't mind jumping on TikTok and dancing around funny. And then, you know, <laughs> right. where me, I'm probably going to be embarrassed if I do it unless my kids are in there, right? You can do anything when kids are in the video. You know, so I think that, you know, when you do find a staff member like you did to do it and wants to take charge, that's an important layer, you know, that you can add to your business. And I think that we do need to keep it in our business model. We'll continue to keep it in our business model. For those folks that really enjoy it, we'll push people towards their way. But I guess for me, I, and maybe this is just my experience, our demographic isn't, you know, really into it. We don't have a lot of people asking for virtual training. No. It's a very select amount of people. And so, you know, Tom Plummer has always said this. He said, you know, you know, nothing can, you know, be, you know, in-person social interaction. The, 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 the connection you make in, inside you know, or the, the four walls where you're training somebody or just having dinner or something, right? And so people just always ask at the NFBA conferences, for those people that are listening, National Fitness Business Alliance, Tom Plummer is now owned by Perform Better. Basically, it was a, it's a fitness business workshop to get people to you know, improve their fitness business. And so, you know, everybody's like, are you scared of virtual training? He's like, absolutely not. You know, it's going to be there. But what we have to keep in mind is there's still like, I don't know what the current statistic is, Michael. Is it maybe 75% of people still don't go to the gym? Okay. Right. So what, say you take 10% to virtual and take another 20% of those people, you know, into the gym. We have plenty of people to come to the gym. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I only, cause I recently did something for this is 79%. Okay. Almost 21% yeah. of people are still actively claiming that they go to the gym at least once a month. And that's wow. it. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and that can put you into the 21%. If you go once a month, that can put you into the active category. It's just a whole different wow. story, I guess, maybe. But um, but it's amazing, and it makes so much sense. Sorry to interrupt, but like it's, no, no, please. It's uh, you know, I don't know what needs to be done or said for people to understand how important exercise is, or just movement in general. You know, Dr. David Sinclair. Everybody probably knows him now. He's been on Rogan and everything. You know, the longevity guy from Harvard, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the number one or number two thing to improve your longevity and your quality of life is just exercise. It's just amazing. And, you know, people just don't want to do it. I get it. It's not that fun sometimes for folks. You know, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to make the time. But it just, I'm just not sure what it's going to take, Michael, for people to say, you know what, I need to brush my teeth for my oral health. So I'm going to do that every day. I probably should exercise too. And I'm not sure when, when that's going to come. I, I hope it's sooner rather than later because regardless of what people say about our healthcare system, I don't know if we could, we could ever create a perfect healthcare system because we have so many sick people. And the, the, pro, the problem is that the healthcare system is a problem and I know nothing how to change it. I'm not in that category. But what I do know statistically is in the next 10 years, there's going to be too many sick people, sick people to take care of. And that's going to be the problem. Yeah, that's right. And 
not that I have an answer, but I, in a way, I, I think I have kind of an answer. You know, this this podcast is is built around prevention. You know, I like the entrepreneur side. This is an added bonus. I love it, and that's why some people are here listening. But this podcast started because my father passed away in 2013, and I really got into disease and disease prevention because it also fit with what I do for a living. And you know, again, some people might turn might pause us right now because they'll be annoyed to hearing this for the for the 30th time. People wait until they're punched in the face. That that's when I did, right? Even though I was in the field, until I had a a, a punch in the face reason, the loss of my father to really start diving into. Well, well, really, what you know, what what does back this? I, I think the only thing we can really do is what you and I are already doing, and I think that's where maybe locations like your and I are still different, even from the other similar-looking models like ours. Is when they walk in our door, we are going to talk about habits and we are going to talk about lifestyle. You know, and you know, I agree with your point from earlier about you know, if weight loss is your only thing, if that's going to be your only numerical focus. When we might we might fail you. However, if I can say here's all here's all the habits we just want you to focus on, weight loss will happen anyway. You know, it tends to hit home a little more. So I guess it's a long-winded way of me saying that I, I think when we if we get more more gyms like ours are opening, which is great. I think this is where the change is finally happening. Is I can't I don't care how big my social media grows to. I probably can't affect you know millions of people. But if I can affect 500 people here who then talk to their friends, talk to their friends, yeah, I, I think hopefully I've done my part. And then if, you know, I have, you know, a thousand more of you in the world, you know, we'll finally maybe try to make a little, little dent in this subject, but we got work yeah, to do. You're right. We got work to do. There's so much work. And one thing I worry about is, you know, there's a couple of different, different things. One, some people simply can't afford our services. Yes. You know, no matter how much they squeeze their budget or how much they prioritize things. And that's tough. You know, mm-hmm. we want to be paid what we're worth. We're fitness professionals. We do a lot of continuing education. We have degrees and, and we want to make a good living. We're not looking to get rich per se. I don't think anybody gets into, you know, it's like personal training is like teaching. You know, you, you want to make a yeah. good living and take care of yourself and your family but you're probably not going to get real rich, right? right. And that's okay because you're mm-hmm. serving a different purpose and, and you're helping people. It's a very rewarding job and very, very noble thing to do. You know, so that's a tough part because we want to get paid more, but we really, it's how much can we charge and, you know, what can people afford? You know, so th- I think that's going to be a little sticky thing going down the road. Of right. course, most people say, hey, how about insurance pays for it? Well, you know, where does those dollars come from, right? You know, so there's a lot to be figured out because I feel for those folks in a lower income bracket, lower income area that, you know, they don't have access to this stuff. And so what do we do about those folks? And I think that, you know, I don't have the answers. I don't I don't know the answers, uh, but I think we're going to have to figure that out at some point because those are a lot of people that are unhealthy. And, you know, and I think sometimes if I don't think about that, I can get wrapped up. And you know what? Most of my clients do pretty well for themselves. And sometimes that irritates me because, well, they probably should be able to take care of themselves a little bit better. They have access to training. They have access to, you know, better shoes to work out in. They have access to better food. You know, they have access. Yep. Fortunately, access doesn't ever always mean good. So there, there's a couple of sticky things with when we, we go down the rabbit hole of how can we make everybody healthier. You know, it's going to start with some personal accountability. Yes. And unfortunately, just like you said, Michael, Lots of times with lots of things, it takes that punch in the face 
almost till it's a little too late, and and uh, that's scary. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, and you said awareness, and maybe if we would just be a little more aware of the of the smaller punches, you know, the the friend of a friend story, and you know, if stuff like that could start being more impactful to us, it could go a long way. Because you're right, for a lot of people, it 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 becomes too late, and. And now we saw that with COVID and, you know, and, and again, we won't get into, you know, I, I never, just like you, we never touched the political side and I did the same thing you did. I followed the rules. Op- opinions aside, I said, you know what, for the sake of the safety of my members, I'm going to keep following the rules. And I stuck to that until, until today where we're finally fully open. Yeah. This, yeah. But I understand. You're, you're talking about just the COVID thing. Like this yeah. is something that, that unfortunately, you know, media doesn't touch on enough. And I think it's because, Again, I hate, I don't want to get into, I shouldn't say hate, wrong word. I don't like to get into the political side. But I think that a lot of people didn't want to get their feelings hurt uh, or hurt people's feelings. And I don't think we knew a lot about COVID yet. But I wish that the media would say, okay, we know if you get COVID, whether you're healthy or not, there's a risk. Okay. However, we can reduce our risk by doing X, Y, Z. Okay. You know, so... I wish there would have been more of that, even though a lot of people are talking about the vitamin D correlation, the exercise correlation. I think people see that, but unfortunately, Michael, I don't think it impacts them enough because especially like our parents' generation, even older, they have ingrained in them that, well, whatever my doctor says is correct, which, you know, Let's just put it this way. Not every trainer's correct. So not every doctor's correct. They're human, right? That's right. They're just people just like us. All right. You know, so I don't think they took that to heart. I think they just looked at COVID equals I could die. Well, COVID e- could equal that. But are we doing things to say, how can I, what can I do personally right now besides wearing a mask and staying away and things like that to protect myself? Well, let's get some D going. Let's drink more water. Let's, you know, all the stuff we talk about, you know, right. and I wish we had more things like that. You know, we're giving everybody COVID vaccine. Well, how about everybody for the next year get the, you know, free vitamin D mailed to them? Because not everybody can afford it. Even though it's cheap, you know what? Some people make it 10 bucks an hour. They, they can't afford $15 vitamin D. They just can't. Right. Okay. You know, so there should have been stuff like that. But, you know, we're doing what we're going to do. And I think we're part of that, that solution. So yeah. we'll see. No, I agree. And if we look for it the right way, we did just have a punch in the face a very a, a global punch in the face, but you're right. Unfortunately, not everyone took it in the way they could have. And it is true that it, it also wasn't, the news wasn't shared the way we as fitness professionals would have shared it. If, if the news was our platform and, you know, and again, the reasons are aside, you know, this is the point that at least people listening to us now, our members, this podcast, the other podcasts and all the speaking that you do publicly, I think those people are getting the message of as terrible as this was, there is the truth of the matter that there were controllable elements that all of us should start doing going forward, not because there might be another pandemic, but because it does decrease our risk of, of all diseases and all risk factors. And it is within our control, you know, and even to a certain extent, even maybe somewhere, somewhere outside of budget, because everyone can go for a walk and everyone can move, you know, so there's certain levels you can do no matter where you're at. Yeah. It, and, you know, the unfortunate thing, too, is you're going to have the extremists that say, oh, COVID is fake or, you know, if you just if you're healthy, you're going to be fine. Everybody dying has high risk factors. 
I don't think that helps the message either. Agreed. I think the folks that go too extreme and, and say, no, you know, don't get, don't get this. And, you know, it's like, you know, I think that doesn't help the prevention side because, you know, I'm not an into extreme person on either way. Like, you know, we've got to, you know, look at the facts and say, where can we meet in the middle? What, what can we do? And I think that some of those extreme folks that are kind of, not believing in COVID, I guess you could say, or not saying it's serious. I don't think that helped. And, you know, any any disease we have to take serious, right? And we have to make sure we're being cognizant. And one thing, too, is even though I was healthy and I'm doing this and that, you know, I still know I was acceptable. So I'm still wearing a mask. I'm still mm-hmm. doing those things. So it's just a whole totality. You just need to do everything that you could at the time. So. I- I agree. And you and I work with another example every day where, you know, the the concept of injury prevention, you know, and both with our athletes and our general population. Can we actually prevent injury? No. Can we decrease the risk? Absolutely. If I'm if I make any again, an athlete or not, just stronger, a little more resilient, you know, a, a little more agile. Yeah, may, maybe. Maybe that risk does decrease. Can we prevent injury? No, because in the end, especially in the athletic world, things happen, and sometimes things happen out of the explained. Same with disease. You can do everything right, and unfortunately, cancer might still be in your future. It doesn't mean that all the health time and all the health efforts you put in went to waste at all. It's quite the opposite. It just means that you did everything right. Who knows what you did prevent along the way? And then unfortunately life is still life, you know, and there's, there's certain things we have to accept are, are out of our control. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. So, you know, back, back to state of fitness, you know, now that we've. Sure. <laughs> well, it was a reality yeah. for us, right? It was yeah. a big impact, right? It impacted our business quite a bit. And so, but I think that we're recovering well. Good. What else, what else may be stuck? What else is now a part of the state of fitness future that maybe wasn't, or maybe just what got tweaked that wasn't before. I think now is we, we want to have a lack of better terms, tighter business model. We know what we're good at, you know, we, we, we can do everything pretty well. Right. But we can't kill everything. We can't be awesome at everything. It's just, it's too hard. Mm-hmm. So what we plan going forward, you know, once we get out of 2021, is we would like to narrow our offerings. We really want us want to go to private training and small group training. We we the, the large group training. Well, we do a pretty good job at it. Right. You know what it comes down to, Michael. Is it, it, what I recommend, if Michael, if you came into my gym or your wife or whoever came to my gym and said, I want to you know get in shape and you know feel better and all those types of things they want, would I say just do group training? No because we don't get the right strength training. It's just metabolic training, which is good. Good fitness, and it's Absolutely. fantastic. You know, it, it's a great workout, okay? And people can definitely get in shape. But is it the best recommendation? No, it's not. We know our small group and private training are the cream of the crop training that we know we can get better focused attention with those people. We can, get more, we, we can coach them better, and they're going to get the overall proper workout they need. So that's, that's number one. So we're going to cool. kind of – change our memberships. Another thing is we've got to downsize. We were talking about this earlier before the podcast is, you know, we kind of grew into our space. We, we came into a gym that was already a gym. And we, and mind you, we've changed everything in it, which is one reason why we're going to leave mm-hmm. is 11,000 square feet. And 
you know, what happens with that, if you're not a big box gym or a big bait, we have basic access right now, but we, we don't make a ton of money off it. You know, maintaining a gym for 12 years starts to cost a lot of money. And if you, and as a business owner or even a gym owner, if I could do it again, I'd buy my building. Well, the building we're in is not purchasable because you have to buy the whole complex, which is out of my price range by far. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can't get into the millions and millions. So, you know, we're putting, you know, we put over a couple hundred thousand dollars into this place beyond the basics, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking like from painting to knocking down walls to building walls to, you know, redoing carpet, all this crap we've done. You know, it's like you have a house and, you know, you go to your wife and say, hey, honey, let's go redo the kitchen for 10 grand. And she's like, wait a second, honey, we don't own this house. Why would we put that money into it? Keep putting all this money into this house. So that's where we're at. So it opened our eyes to say, okay, mm. what are we going to do for the future? And yeah. we're going to find a smaller gym and just make it much um, easier to run, more efficient. You know, my staff is cleaning constantly. We're repairing things constantly. I have one of our, our members who's a good buddy of mine now. He's still in the car repair shop next door, but he sold it and retired. He's our maintenance guy. He's our on-site maintenance guy because we have so much stuff to do. And so if any trainers or, or people are looking are uh, listening to this, bigger is not always better. No. Unless you have a limited supply of cash and uh, a huge staff, it starts to take away from what you're really trying to accomplish. That's taking care of your members. And so that those are two big things is tightening our business model, getting a different space. And also the lastly is I want to have enough employees pay them better and do more work then pay less, have more employees, have them do less work. And so those are kind of the things we're, we're going towards. And I think that, like, let's just take Rick Mayo, for example. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, he's probably one of the best, if not the best, you know, entrepreneurial fitness person, you know, in, in, the, in potentially the world, right? Um, he figured out through trial and error over 20 plus, more than that, 30 years, that, you know, they know what they're good at. And we can run a better company if we just do that. And they open up 2,000 square foot small group personal training gyms that service six people or less at a time and kill it. And it's not all about chasing that big, large revenue number. Like when we first started out, Michael was like, let's chase a million dollars. We want to make a million dollars in revenue. And that's like the gold ticket to training gyms. Well, the problem is, is if you're trying to chase big ticket, it costs more money you're less profitable, okay? So even though you're bringing in a million dollars a year in revenue, you know, you've got, you know, uh, you know $40,000 a month in payroll and payroll taxes. You've got, you know, our, our, our air conditioning bill last month was $1,400, you know, and on and on and on and on. And so the bigger, just, it just doesn't always go better. It's smaller, tighter, and better, for sure. Uh, hey, well, Oh, this is validating for me in a couple of ways. One, this is advice that I got from you and M Plumber at the beginning. When I came in and I wanted, I wanted to run the model that I knew best prior to meeting you guys, which is the one-on-one -on -one and open access model. I, one, I, I, one, I never would have opened it. I never would have found the funding, like you said, to, to get to that. So it would be a moot point now anyway. But even let's say I did, I would have been wrong. I would have been wrong for sure. So you know, I, I'm in a 6,000 square foot space and I chose it partially because it was a really good situation. 
And there, and there, I lucked out. Really good. I have a good landlord. I have a good ownership group. I have a great surrounding area. I'm in a downtown, you know, area. So that's it's nice. But even the six thousand square feet, you know, on paper might be still a little on the bigger side. But I, but I think meeting, you know, you and the rest of the group for that. Otherwise, I would have made a big mistake. So that's one. And the other, you know, I was lucky where I wasn't big enough with COVID. If I look at some positives where I was able to make some changes that weren't as noticeable because my membership base wasn't fully established. So I dumped large group as soon as we closed. I never reopened it. And I never reopened open access. So I only reopened with private and small group. And for a while I was nervous. I'm like, well, are we going to lose, you know, the, the few thousands of dollars that are purely coming from that one corner? And the truth is we didn't, you know, a few, a few people maybe, but everyone else that already saw our value came into the small group model, the higher price, the higher value model. And we, we increased money because of it. Not just because I took away something, but because I found a way to educate them better on why they were in the right gym, but doing the wrong program. And once yeah. I realized that, I never looked back. And now I educate the staff on how to show them that when they come in, they say, I need the sensation of cardio. If I don't, if I don't do your aerodyne bike on and off, for 45 seconds for an hour and feel like I am dying. If I don't do that, it's not a workout. We've done a really good job of, of teaching them why that's not the case and why that absolutely could be a part of their program. Come do that as an accessory to your strength training once or twice a week. And we want you to. And in fact, we want you to do it so much that it's unlimited free part of your, of your membership. Yeah. It's awesome. You do your three strength training days a week, merge your schedule around that, and then jump in the core and cardio classes, have a blast. Do it two, three days a week around that if you want to. But we made sure the focus was where it should be. So, you know, again, it's you know, it's it's a validating moment that you're also going the same direction because that was a it was a huge benefit for us. Well, I'm glad to hear you did it. You know, because it gives me because you're always a little bit nervous to do it, right? And yeah. you're taking, you know, thankfully you hadn't been open that long, so it makes it a little bit easier. But at the same yes. time, it it does make it easier because you're like, oh shoot, I need money now. I just opened. I owe people money, right. and you know, I'll take any dime that I can to get through the door. But you did the you did the the approach where, hey, I'm going to take a risk and do what I know is right, and that is not always the the, the easy thing to do. And it looks, it seems like the right thing to do, right? But or the uh, easy thing to do, the right thing to do, but it, it's really not. And and your story is is validating as well as some other folks. You're seeing more people in our industry starting to do that. They're seeing that they're not chasing the big number. They want to do just a small group in the private training. They want to get back to their roots. Because that's what we are. We're trainers. We're not really group fitness instructors. And, and whether we like it or not, you know, group training, you know, you, you know, it's just timed interval stations, right? Which, again, is a good workout, but it's not what I want to do with people. And so I, I think that it's a good thing because also, you know, what happens too, Michael, is when we first started these types of models, there wasn't Orange Theory. There wasn't Fitbody. Oh, Fitbody Bootcamp, maybe. I can't remember. Right. Um, there, there wasn't F45. There wasn't Barry's Bootcamp. And you know, the list goes on, right? right? And they're all kind of metabolically kind of strength training, but kind of not, not really personal training, but kind of type, you know, models. And, you know, they took a chunk of that group training, right? They, they took a nice chunk because, you know, they're very attractive. Uh, we can let those folks have that. That's right. They can have that. We now know through science and through anecdotal evidence that that is not the best training. And so 
trainers like me and you are going to go back to the roots. And so it's, it's refreshing to see. Going back to your 6,000 square feet, you know, I like that size. That size, you know, it's big enough to do a lot of stuff, yep. but not too big to where it's going to kill you managing it, right? right. Just from an upkeep standpoint. Right. The toughest decision, I think, uh, when you're starting a business is understanding what, what, what building you should go into. Okay. And right now, you know, we're kind of pondering between about 4,000 and 6,000. And the, I don't really go any bigger than that. We're probably going to go more towards smaller because mm-hmm. I'm just ready in my career to do something cool. And so for us, there's an opportunity to be a part of a rebuild of, of downtown Lansing with a really, really, really good group of real estate people that actually got me this building here. And so I'd rather be a part of something really special that's going to change a community and rather than do something that's going to be in one word, less word, easy. Cause right. we might move, you know, 15 minutes away, which we're going to, we would lose half our clientele 100%. Right. Okay. And so I'm kind of babbling a little bit, but you know, that's kind of, again, where I'm at in my career if I'm going to be in this another 10 years, I'm going to do something I want to do uh, and take a risk. And that's what we're working on right now. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't think it's babbling. I think it's a really good point. So again, for the people, the entrepreneurs that are listening to this or the, you know, the, the business owners, yeah, it's it, when you do what you enjoy, you naturally excel. When you try to force feed the other stuff, it, it, every day is a struggle. Every day is hard, you know, and again, to, to re-go back to a point you made earlier, stick to what you're good at and don't try to go outside that. And when you do that, you get your clientele, Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very lucky to say that, you know, I'm looking at one right now, looking in the door and making faces at me. I've, you know, I've got 103 members in here. You know, I'm I'm still on the smaller side. We're still growing, thankfully, but I love 103. And I, and I really believe that all 103 are our members. They're 38 plus, you know, we're very, again, we're very similar to you. They're not the ones that want the Orange Theory and the Shred and the boot camps and the Barry's boot camp, all of which are hugely popular in this area. And, and that's and that's good because if they tried to force our model, I'd lose them in a month anyway. And all they would do is take up spots that could be for people that wanted to come in and get some legit results. So again, because a, a long-winded way of me saying, because I finally finally came around to doing what I what I believe we are best at, and only talking to the people we thought were the good fit. It, it, that's where, that's where my business finally turned a corner. Yeah. And, and that's refreshing because in the beginning, Michael, you're probably thinking I'll take, you know, any heartbeat everything. that comes to the door, right. anything, everything. And maybe you should in the beginning, just kind of weed it out and get going. Um, but again, I, the, the positives of COVID, right. It, it allows you to see what you really want to do. What are you good at? How can we tighten things up? And, and what can I do that's going to, you know, give a living for my family, but I'm going to do something that I want to do and we should do. And so th- that's, that's the, 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 the great thing of doing something that's life changing, which is COVID is, I don't know. I don't want a big gym. I don't want a ton of members. I don't want group training. And, you know, I want a small amount of members like you and, and take care of them and have some fun and, you know, make it a, a little bit stre- less stress. Right. You know, yes. so and even, the, you know, it makes me rethink the, you know, the corporate thing for us, just to give you an idea what that is, is, you know, we basically have on-site gyms. Um, when you were in town, did I take you to that? Did no. we go to that? No, we talked about it, but we didn't go to it. No. Okay. You know, it's just, we have a, it's just like, you know, a 1500 square foot training area. 
you've got a thousand square foot kind of hotel gym area, you know, like cardio and some cables and stuff, dead weights, and then a yoga place. And so for us, that's simple because we have no overhead. We staff and manage it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Michael, that was what we were really building state of fitness off. We were, we were attacking a lot of corporate corporations to be their, their provider. And we had some good traction with some big companies that had the income that already had gyms and wanted a service based type of gym. Unfortunately, that's been one of the negatives for us is, you know, it's really, you know, it's been eliminated until we're going to open one of our centers up in September. So we're looking at, you know, almost two years it's been closed. And so that also was something that forced our hand to say, okay, hmm, we were kind of banking off this corporate thing, which is very easy to, to duplicate. Uh, what do we do now? And so we're kind of just cheating the corporate thing as just kind of an extra add-on. If we have it, we have it. If we don't, we don't. But we're, we're focused on what we need to do to change here. Because really, that was a cushion for us. You know, if we were doing great at our big gym, right? But, you know, to make that little extra cream, the corporate was what was doing it. And you don't have that little cushion. You got to make some changes. And, and we're a little bit status quo here, quite honestly, in our, yeah. our brick and mortar gym. We were kind of just like, okay, keep doing what we're doing. We're doing fine. We weren't forced to do any changes. So I'll take that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Justin, this has been awesome, man. I'm having a I'm having a blast with conversation. I think it's I really do think it's hopefully helped a lot of people at least at least think about what they're doing and why they're doing it. How can people find you in State of Fitness? Yeah, so you know you could just you know of course Google State of Fitness, but our website's mystateoffitness.com. Instagram is State of Fitness. On Instagram, I'm usually very active on, on my Grinnell Training Instagram. Take a little bit of a breather. But I'm going to be back on it here in August. You know, I usually was posting things every single day. So you can find me there. You know, so those are the places you can get a hold of us. And, you know, this is something that I've changed my tune on. Michael's, you know, when I was doing NFBA, I was like, okay, I want to consult. I want to make money. You know, I probably have made money. I feel like I can't remember. But now I'm at the point where, do I, what are these mentorship groups? Like, if you're a gym owner, okay, why can't you just share your shit? Like, do I need to charge an in-service, a bunch of money for someone to come talk to me? No, I'm the same person as you. Just because I've accumulated some knowledge and I've done well, that means nothing. Now, if you're someone that's you know, not owning a gym and used to own gyms and now that's your career as a consultant, sure. But if you're a trainer and a gym owner and you're trying to make money off these, these mentorships, that's just not, I just don't believe in that really. I'm just going to help people just for the sake of helping them because I've had a lot of help along the way and people ask you know, nothing from me. So if people want to reach out to me and talk shop about the tra- training, becoming a personal trainer, fit- fitness business, they can reach out at justin at mystateoffitness.com. That's my email. And if they're looking for an internship, you know, we have a, an internship where basically you trade your time to help us train people and we're going to give you as much education and resources as possible. So that's another thing that COVID maybe realize is you're talking to all my buddies in the, in the training game. It's like, I, I could, I could go, create a mentorship, come to my in-service and pay me a thousand bucks for a day. I'm all set. I'm over it. Well, other people can do that. I'm, I'm, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, and I, again, we're, we're in agreement here and, you know, I can say firsthand that, you know, I, I think it was almost four years ago now I, I sat with you in your wow. office at, yeah, it was a long time, right? It was, I mean, cause I, I've been open for two, but we sat well before I was under construction. So it was three and a half, four years ago, I sat in your office at 
I want to say it was like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, I know it was real early. We walked into your gym and, uh, and sat with you and you, you did just that. And you helped me a ton. And if it wasn't for a lot of your very specific advice and your open sharing of all of your documents, again, just, just, to, just to say how truthful what you just said really is. Yeah, I remember you turned your computer around and you, you literally showed me the exact template you use. Everything from the internships to the, to the walk-in process. And you know, I, I, believe in, I believe in the same thing you do and I believe in paying it forward. And, and, you know, it, and it's because I've had good experience with people like you. So one, thank you. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for that. You know, for, so for my listeners, I, you know, whatever reason you're listening to this, go follow Justin. I don't care if you're on the business side, the fitness side, or the non-fitness side, because either way, you're going to learn about being healthier. You're going to learn about being a better fitness professional if that's what you're going for. And you're going to be a better business professional if that's what you're going for. So Justin, as much as you, as I say, you kind of go to your strengths, it sounds like you got a lot of them. So we're, we're, I'm oh, grateful, thank you. Great, grateful for it. Thank you so much, Michael. Anytime, you know, you let me know we're not too far next time in Chicago. I got to finally stop by uh, your place and, and check it out. Yeah. Well, hopefully the, uh, the seminars come back to Rosemont yeah. again. And from, from, I'm a straight shot from there. I'm not too far. So 2022, I know they're doing the virtual thing again, so they couldn't secure the places, but 2022, I think is gonna be a good year for the fitness industry as far as con ed and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be front row as usual. All right, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Can't wait to hear it. All right, Justin. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.